Appreciate uh, Clint sharing with us from the heart. What you don't know is he just got in from an emergency vet run, and we didn't know if he was going to be here in time. So what you heard was Holy Spirit-led and passionate from his heart, and I appreciated it. We're in the middle of talking about the mission and vision of this church, something your elders, a group of deacons, uh, the keepers of the vision group help come up with, and it's, a, it's important, and it's a, a, a fire in the belly of your leaders, and that's what you saw from Clint this morning, passion, uh, as he sought to communicate that. Uh, we're on the way to a new logo for this, and I want to thank Bruce for that. It's not quite there yet. I, what I understand is we're close, but I wanted you to see the emphasis. And, of course, at the bottom of it is this vision to make, to make mature and multiply faithful followers of Jesus. And we know what that's rooted in, right? It's rooted in Jesus' final words. And his focus, laser-focused purpose for us as his disciples. And that's what Clint was talking about. Some of you have heard me talk about being with my dad on the night that he was supposed to die. And him scratching on a little wax tablet questions and answers back and forth to me. Some of you have been there. We don't always get to have those final moments with those that we love. I was just 25 when my father died. I was 24 when he shared some of these things with me. And I believe that even if dementia steals my brain, that that will be one of the lasting things that I hold on to, partially because it's a long way back in my life. But partially because it's not remembered here, it's in here. And if you have had the opportunity to have final words with someone before they graduated to be with Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. They're precious. And they're written on your heart, not stored in your synapses, in your gray matter. And in listening to my father, the things he shared with me, slowly, meticulously, laboriously on that little wax tablet, taking forever to communicate, they were precious to him. And it's what he wanted me to know before he left. So when Jesus comes to the end of his ministry. He's done all these incredible things, miracles. He's raised the dead. He's helped the lame to walk, the paralyzed to regain use of their body. He's helped the blind to see. He's fed the multitudes. He's stilled the storm. He's walked on the water. He's done all these incredible things. And then he's gone to the cross after he did the things that Leonard talked about in communion. Watch the disciples' feet instituted the Lord's Supper, shared the incredible things about the coming of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. And then he goes to the cross and he dies. He's raised from the dead, spends 40 days with his disciples. And then he has his last words, his final words. And he wants those words to us 
to be as precious to us as our loved one's final words before they pass are to us. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this is what I want you to do. Go make disciples of all nations, of all peoples. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. And I promise you this. There will not be a moment in your life from the time you enter into this mission and the time I bring you home to me that I will not be with you. Jesus' final words, the things he wants us to remember and carry with us. And I want you to notice that there are several key phrases. In fact, there's really only one command. It's the command with the star bite. You make disciples. That's the command. Make disciples. Replicate yourself. You make faithful followers of me. You help make, mature, and multiply disciples like I'm calling you to be. And there are three parts to how we make disciples. Part one is we go. We get outside our comfort zone like Clint got so passionate about trying to remember to say it just the right way, but also the emotion. You can see the emotions in him. He's almost ready to cry. Clint, he was so passionate about it. That this church won't be known by what the people outside this box think about what goes on in this box, but this church will be known by what it does out in the community. That's what Jesus means by going. Get out of our safety. Get out of our comfort zone. All the stuff we talked about last week about risking for, for Jesus and for the cause of Christ. Go. We normally think about racial stuff in terms of salt and pepper. Can I preach a minute here? We think about races in terms of black and white because of our experience in America. And it rips my heart out to see us doing the same stuff now that was going on in the 60s. That we hadn't made more progress. But my daughter can't have salt, so she has salt substitute, and it's made up of all these herbs. And you put that on your food, and it ain't black and white. It's all shades. It's orange, and I don't know what all that stuff is. It's good. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want all shades. And for that to happen, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to get out of your protecting your zone and being satisfied with your racial position and being satisfied with your friends and your circle of acquaintances, I'm challenging you to go, to get out there. Second thing he says is you baptize. You don't make disciples without being baptized. And I don't care what any other religious group says, if you ain't a baptizing, you ain't a making disciples. It's pretty simple. Jesus' final words. 
And you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means by the power and the authority of, with the presence of, both in the moment and for them going forward. The power of the three natures of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, living that person. And then the third piece is you to teach them to obey. Now, for 25 years, I did seminars all over the U.S., and I would quote the Sermon on the Mount, and I would leave out to obey, and not one single time could people tell me what I left out. Because we think sitting in a classroom and talking is teaching. And that's data passing. But what Jesus is after is what Clint was talking about. Moving the data from our brains and our behinds to our feet and our hands out in the community, out in the world. Teach them, not stuff, but teach them how to live my life, how to be a Christ follower. Now, why is this such a big deal? And why would the elders give... Commitment five, we will train and develop disciples who passionately follow Jesus and are equipped to teach others and to do the same and go on the line with all this stuff. I mean, they're making a huge commitment about what they want to see happen in this church. Why would they do that? Why would Jesus' final words be that? And why would the elders focus so much on that? And there are two reasons why. And I want to share with you why. I speak a lot. I travel a lot. I have a little bitty suitcase and I have a hanging bag I have more in my electronics gear than I have with me. You know what every speaker's greatest fear is? Oh, you got a pretty good clue. I don't travel with one pair of pants. I don't travel with one shirt. Now, the backups may not be as good as the number ones, but I'll tell you, it's important to have backup because one Sunday, I, I got here, I left on Sunday morning, and I got here, and my wife calls me about 10 minutes before I get to Pine Tree, and she goes, Darling, your clothes are hanging in the closet. It's important to have backup. And everybody, man or woman, knows if you're getting ready to speak and you look down and you have a partially broken zipper, it's a, it's a hopeless situation, isn't it? Because the more you fiddle with it, the worse it's going to get. So you don't know whether to just wing it and pray nobody notices, which is not going to happen. <laughs> Especially when the teenagers are sitting right here, you know. Right? I, I'm getting the thumbs up there. Yeah, that'd be sure to point that one out. That would, that would make Bruce's class uh, very interesting, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. Or try to fix it. I, I've just learned you just pray Walmart's open. That's the only... Now, why in the world would I use that silly illustration? Because one of the reasons Jesus has so much passion for the Great Commission is because when we open the Bible, we see grace, the zipper of grace, undone by sin. And the first 11 chapters of Genesis is that zipper breaks, that zipper of grace breaks... And when it breaks, it just rips completely wide open. Because what happens is when men and women rebel against God, 
the first thing that happens is division. What's the first thing that happens when God comes to share relationship in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve? Where are you? Well, this woman you gave me caused me to sin. Well, this snake you created caused me to sin. When there's rebellion against God, sin happens, it creates division. And it creates divisions between men and women, and it creates divisions between human beings and creation, and it creates division between human beings and God. And so it's not long until that zipper comes a little bit more undone, and what do you see? You see death enter the world. Not just death because of spiritual death, but physical death because Cain kills Abel. And then it's not too much longer till chapter 6, and God is grieved that he had ever made human beings on the face of the earth because every intent of their heart was only evil all the time. And so you go from rebellion to division, death, and destruction. God baptizes the whole world, saves Adam and Eve. But even in the saving of, I mean, saves Noah and his family. But even in the saving of Noah, not long off the ark, there's already this arrogance and celebration that divides Noah and his family, his boys. And then before long, you have the Tower of Babel, and people are so arrogant they think, we don't need God. We're smart enough. We can rise up to the heavens and be our own gods. And so God causes confusion among the languages and there's division. And it kicks the cycle back in. And that broken zipper of grace happens again and again and again. And God sent Jesus to repair that and replace it with something different. A stitched up version of salvation and the grace of Jesus Christ where we're not just given a new pair of pants, but we're clothed with Christ. We're given a new life in him. So the first reason that it's important that we live out this great commission is because the world's got to know. The second is, Jesus has a dream. Every time I write this, my proofreaders for Heartlight and Verse of the Day give me grief. Jesus doesn't have a dream. Yes, he does. And you can call it a plan. You can call it a destination. But this is Jesus' dream. And we see this dream in the book of Revelation. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation 7. I left my electronic Bible down here. But in Revelation 7, Jesus is talking to John and he's telling him about things that are about to happen, things that are happening, and things that were going to ultimately happen. And he describes things that are going on in heaven. And sometimes we look at the worship in Revelation, we think that's what it's going to be like in heaven. But a whole bunch of Revelation is what it's like right now in heaven. With the martyrs and those that are before the throne of God. But as Jesus looks at this goal for the future of humanity, we find in verse 9, John says, After this I looked, and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count. Notice where they're from. From every nation, tribe, people, 
and language. And they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Now what are they doing? They cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. The one who sits on the throne. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before God. And they worship God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Jesus' dream for the world is that there will be a melting pot of grace before his throne. And here's the cool thing. He's invited you and me to participate. Jesus' last words, the most precious words he could give us, are very simple. Come, follow me. Make disciples. Make disciples of every nation and tribe and people and language. Far and near and right here. When we talk about the mission and vision of this church, commitment five is dead center in the will of God. And he wants us to be a part. And we can be. If we're his disciple. If we're willing to do what he says and obey what he teaches. If we're willing to go where he leads. And if we're willing to share with him in his salvation and baptism. Because of our faith. That invitation from Jesus is yours right now as we stand to sing. Scripture.